Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. This is Renee Battier, Vice President of Nursing at AORN. With us today is Sharon Ponting, a career perioperative nurse and director with 30 years of expertise in all surgical specialties, including the past 18 years as a perioperative services educator for inpatient, outpatient, and sterile processing settings. This past year, Sharon has been working with the St. Charles Health System in Bend, Oregon, where she has had the opportunity to introduce Health Scholars Fire in the OR virtual reality training to more than 150 providers, transforming their culture of learning and approach to annual competencies. Sharon, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Renee. It's an honor and a privilege to speak to you and to our my fellow nurses out there. October is Fire Safety Month, so it's a perfect time to talk about this annual training requirement and how we can do it better, less disruptively in our facilities. We know there can often be time challenges, physical setup issues, and team availability that can really make it difficult. Sherry, how have you traditionally approached training for fire? Well, as you know, Renee, it's, a, it's an annual competency that is mandatory. Now, fire in the OR is, is real. It happens too often, and, and it's 100% preventable if we do things right, right, and if we're careful. That said, the my ability to provide training, real-life training in this, and when I say real-life, I mean practicum, not mm-hmm. just a lecture, right. um, has been difficult to, first of all, get a space that's available to me for um, a prolonged period of time so that I can mm. kind of rotate folks through. Also getting nurses and techs out of operating rooms that they are working in in order to have the time to do this training is, is also a challenge. And the re- repetition that's required, mm. the time commitment for an educator to stand in, to, in a room and wait for people to come through, um, as you know, is problematic for the best of vendors, much less an educator. So it's been difficult. The simulation part of this too is not easy. Um, so you want it as realistic as possible because when it when it does happen, you need them to respond appropriately and reality is everything. That's been a challenge. There's a lot that goes into doing it and doing it well. So can you talk a little bit about the cost and some of the resources that traditionally this has taken? I think you mentioned some of those. Can you tell us a little bit more? Sure. Well, of, of course, it's the, the cost to the organization to have an operating room down for a day. We all know that we are the engines of the hospital for revenue. And me taking up an operating room and setting it up as a mock OR case situation um, t- takes that OR down for more than a day because for at least for Bend, we have about 120 employees that need to go through this training, none of them are there on the same day at the same time on the same shift. We run 24 by 7 in Bend, Oregon. So there's always somebody in the operating room, staff members always in the operating room. And getting the folks on the night shift as well, peeled from their obligations in the operating room, um, is also a challenge. So the 
that burden to the organization is difficult. Um, trying to set it up in, an, in a room other than an operating room is just not providing the reality or the realistic situation that, that we, we really want to achieve. Um, the other problem is having people come in on their days off to capture the education. So uh, nurses in the operating room work long, arduous shifts. They take a lot of call, typically, and asking them to come in on their day off is not always popular. Uh, so, and that's an expense because it's oftentimes going to be overtime for them to come in for education. So that's, that's also an expense for the organization. Um, so overall, it's just been um, problematic. Um, also having an educator available in these, for, for every scenario, for every, on every shift for a matter of probably a week or two at a time uh, is also costly. It's huge. It's also one of the kinds of trainings that really has to involve other people. You can't do it by yourself. It's an interactive one, which just raises the stakes a little bit more. Right. And asking an anesthesiologist or a surgeon to come and play the part um, is a big ask, uh, especially repetitiously to have them yeah. come in for a period of a week or two. So, like exactly. you said, right, you're right. It's uh, It's been very challenging. Exactly. Well, so with some of those kind of limitations, um, what were some of those impacts? I'm going to imagine engagement um, and the kind of things you wanted to do better, differently as part of that, I'm sure, is what was in back of wanting to do some things differently. Absolutely. Engagement is one of them. Um, I operate as an educator um, under the auspice that if my my students, I'm air quoting students, mm. if my participants aren't having fun and aren't enjoying the education, it's probably not really going to stick. Yeah. So that is important for me. I, I tend to provide education in a, in a jovial, fun, let's, we're all in this together. Um, let's play a game. Let, let, let's just make it enjoyable. Let's laugh for a change um, and enjoy ourselves as a team. That said, teamwork, like you, like you spoke of, is essential in these kinds of scenarios. Um, so um, engaging the staff to work as a team mm. is essential in these kinds of life-threatening scenarios. So that is something I wanted to achieve. Compliance. So we mm. all know that we chase people. So one of the big one of my big jobs, one of the jobs that I spend a lot of time doing is chasing people. You didn't complete this. You didn't complete that. So if it's fun and enjoyable and new and exciting and interactive, whether in person or virtually, people are, tend to want to participate. I also needed measurable outcomes. Mm -hmm. Because if it can't be measured and presented as having been successful, i.e. they scored greater than an 80% on the post-test, or they went through the entire scenario, or this many folks went through it. Um, it doesn't mean very much to the administrative people and the regulatory folks in quality and safety, uh, and those in joint commission, of course. So it, that those things were very important to me. And the virtual reality um, really um, captured all of those in, in one bucket. 
So let's talk about the virtual reality approach and how that came across your path and then how you got it started there. Um, start with, you know, tell us the story. Great. I'd love to. Well, first of all, virtual, I, I'm, I'm not a 20 something or a 30 something. So virtual reality for me was something that didn't even occurred to me. I, I, I wasn't, in, I, I had no idea what virtual reality was. Um, those that play Xbox, those that played all of those interactive games, they had a better understanding of virtual reality, but folks in my generation, um, and even some folks younger than my, in, than my generation had never experienced or even heard of virtual reality. So the way that it came across my path is that there was a VR setup that had been kind of pushed in the back of a closet. And one of my colleagues knew about it only because she just happened upon it in another role that she was fulfilling years ago. Wow. And she explained it to me. And she happened to be the educator for the peri-anesthesia area. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked her about this and she said, yeah, there's this cool VR technology, but it's, it's not been used very much. And and I said, oh, my goodness, well, let's blow off the dust and figure out what this can do for us. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if, if this can um, can engage our learners and, and, and get our staff to, to really understand how a fire happens and how um, we need to respond quickly, um, right. then that's great. So I found out about um, health scholars mm -hmm. through my colleague. Mm -hmm. And so we reached out to health scholars and said, look, we've kind of got this older model that we're not really sure if it works or, or doesn't work. In the end, um, health scholars sent us a brand new VR setup to try and mm -hmm. train on. And so my colleague and I uh, got the other, the other setup to work. So now we had two mm -hmm. VR setups um, and we taught ourselves how to use it. And then we um, kind of launched the fire in the OR scenario and watched it. We just watched it. And then we put the headset on and we put the wands in our hands and we drew a big square in the middle of a giant room. I think we used the East Pack uh -huh. because uh -huh. the East Pack wasn't being used. And, and we had this just space. We just needed real estate. Nothing had to be there because when you put the headset on, that becomes the operating room. You've just, it, it's kind of like Star Trek. Like you've just projected yourself into an operating room. It was mind blowing for me because it was very realistic. The people were speaking to one another. Everything that I expected to be in an OR was there. Mm. Um, the operating table, the anesthesia machine, the anesthesiologist, the cabinets, the, it, it was, everything was there. We just needed to teach ourselves how to use the VR. Mm -hmm. So long story short, we did that. Mm -hmm. And we became really good at it to the point that we thought that we could start presenting this or, or introduce this to the operating room staff mm -hmm. as an option for learning fire in the OR. Right, right. That's how it all started. Well, I, I hear you talking about your own lack of familiarity with it in your own journey. So, so tell us a little bit more 
in introducing it to the workplace, which we know now has, unless you're really unusual, uh, has four or five generations in the workplace. So you are helping drive it for all of those generations and for all the learning styles. So did you see people excited to jump in, hesitating? And, and if they were hesitating, how did you overcome that? Well, I'll tell you how we started it. So I, I did a presentation on a Friday, which is our typical in-service day morning. We have one hour. And so I did a the fire in the ore lecture. Um, and I, I use very, um, I don't know, fun, less than typical methods for educating just to mm -hmm. keep people engaged. Sure. Um, and so I had wadded up pieces of orange paper all over the floor. And I said, you know what, you guys, you're surrounded by fire. Look, look around you. Look at all these orange pieces. <laughs> you're surrounded by fire. So I did the lecture. Then um, my, my colleague, Janice, who is the one that kind of told me about this technology, put the headset on and we projected what she was seeing onto oh, the screen. Sure. So she did a live demonstration in front of the staff of what was going to be happening with them when they put the headset mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. And we were able to watch that. And actually, we were able to film that as well. For those Great that idea. were not in attendance, I was right. able to film mm -hmm. that using Zoom. I just shared my screen mm -hmm. and they were able to see it. Um, so once they saw what she was doing in that, in, in person, she only had these two little white wands in her hands, but on the screen, she was fighting a fire in the right. operating room that had happened as a result of a surgeon igniting prep that had not dried mm. in the neck. So, of course, above the neck, um, you know, open oxygen source, the whole, the whole yep. nine yards, right? We yep. had a fire triangle. Well, I will tell you that the audible excitement in the room was palatable like I, I could I could feel it um they wanted to do it today now <laughs> now right now and when can I sign up and actually Sherry can I be a super user wow um, so mm -hmm. it became like this viral and you know how things travel through the OR right oh yeah you tell somebody a secret well it's not a secret very long so by the time the class was over with at eight o'clock and they went back to their operating rooms by nine o'clock I had people outside my door saying when is this going to start? This is so cool. And by the way, Dr. XYZ wants to do it. Oh, that's and awesome. That they want to do it. And the surgeons yeah. want to be involved. And what about OB? And what about MDU? And all wow. these other So very quickly, it went viral. Mm -hmm. it, just, it was exciting. It was new. It was um, interactive. And they were able to watch each other. Mm. So there were people that were nervous about doing it, like, kind of uh, the the staff, the more tenured OR staff. Sure. I thought that they were going to be nervous about doing it, but they weren't. They mm. were very excited. But typically, if I had people that were hesitant, they would come in and watch one of their sure. maybe younger colleagues do it sure. on the video screen because we had the video set up all the time so anybody could walk in and out and watch each other fight the fire. Sure. sure. And I think that quelled their anxieties a little bit and then pretty soon they were willing to put the headset on done it was so that kind of allowing them to sort of look at it and get used to perhaps that environment and what might be happening without being having the headset on helped some of the ones that were hesitating or or just 
weren't sure what they were getting into. Yes. That's a great a hundred percent. And as and like I said, as a matter of fact, I think we had probably 20 to 30 physicians that um, came in that. and put the headset on. You know, they're kind of techie guys. And yeah. uh, they wanted to, you know, check it out. And what do you mean VR? I've never been able to. Well, they heard people talking about it, right? Just like you said, it was going viral and it drew yeah. people in, which is exactly what you want. Come find me. Absolutely. I love that. They they Yes, they came in droves. So I put up a sign-up sheet outside of the education room and I said, each person should sign up for a 30-minute block of time mm -hmm. so that I can kind of get them used to wearing the headset. Right. And we always had a spotter there, which was one of us that was making sure that they weren't going to get themselves in trouble in terms of running into something. Because once you have the headset on, nothing else exists outside of you except for the operating room you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want them to trip and fall or anything. Yeah, so yeah. We always had somebody outside, you know, st standing there guiding them. And the, the, the sign-up sheet filled up probably for the next 10 days, almost, wow. almost. Wow. And we ran well over a hundred people through that. And I just mentioned it today at the in-service. We did our MH, our annual MH today. Mm -hmm just the lecture portion with an anesthesiologist. And I mentioned that fire was coming and people already are excited. They want to do it again. Well, it sounds like you really changed that sort of culture of learning uh, instead of, oh, I have to go to the in-service and check the box. Now they're leaning in and coming to you and what else can we do and wanting to be part of it. And that's really a powerful change uh, for really important training. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those tips. Absolutely. Thank you, Sharon Ponting, for spending time with AORN. It's been great conversation today, and we've learned a lot about incorporating much more exciting and engaging technology that's effective in our education and training. I hope well, you all have gotten... Yes. Thank, thank you, Renee, for allowing me to... Um, tell you our story from St. Charles. And I really hope that, um, that others uh, seek out opportunities like this mm -hmm. to um, improve the way that we do education, that we perform education and to try to uh, build teamwork and collaboration in our ranks um, so that we can all learn and um, move forward. The end of the day, it's all about safer surgery, and helping our teams know what to do when they need it. So I hope all of our listeners have gotten some new ideas and approaches that are actionable in their setting. If you'd like to learn more about Fire in the OR, you can go to AORN.org. Thank you all for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.